Welcome to Studio Visits with SilverEye, where I get to talk in depth with some of the most interesting contemporary photographers working today about their latest projects. I'm David Oresik, the Executive Director of SilverEye Center for Photography. SilverEye works to promote the power of contemporary photography as a fine art medium by creating original exhibitions, unique educational programming like this, and through the lab at SilverEye, a space for artists to learn, create, and connect. Yesterday, I spoke with Pittsburgh-based photographer and artist Ross Mantle about his latest body of work, Misplaced Fortunes. Ross is a photographer who divides his time between his artwork, his clients' commissions, and his teaching at Carnegie Mellon University. His work is based in documentary traditions while actively questioning this genre's methods and histories to formulate new forms of visual storytelling. Our conversation was really fascinating for me. We covered a lot of ground, from how he gets started on a project like Misplaced Fortunes, his working method, his interests in histories and legends, and much, much more. I was especially interested to talk about what he looks for in an image while he's out photographing, and how he thinks about bringing a batch of pictures and prints to life as a dynamic, playful, and just plain weird exhibition. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So Ross Mantle, we're talking about your recent uh, 937 gallery solo exhibition, Misplaced Fortunes, um, a really beautiful, intricate show that is um, mysterious, as, as mysterious as it is beautiful, I would say. This is a project that's really rooted in um, some truths and uh, also some myths about General Braddock's history in Pennsylvania, or at least that became a kind of um, launching point for this project. Tell us just a little background information about how the story of General Braddock got you interested in making these photographs. Um, so I, at the time, I think it was like 2012 or so, um, I had been trying to figure out how mythology could factor into my documentary practice. And I, I had just come back from Kentucky, I guess it was uh, months before this, maybe even a year before this, but I'd come back from Kentucky, uh, Eastern Kentucky on a shoot in Harlan County. And um, it was an area that I've spent time in before. And I went to school in Appalachia and I, like obviously grew up here in Pittsburgh, but um, it was, it was, it kind of got me thinking about how magical realism and different ways the mythology can function in getting at a deeper truth that documentary on its own couldn't. And so I was kind of, I was thinking through a lot of that stuff for a while and seeking out a story, um, something based in the region that I could dig into a little bit more and start to pull some of those things out. Um, and I was, I was kind of jumping around from a few different things and like not really finding what I was looking for in anything um, and came across Braddock's Lost Treasure. It had all the trappings that I wanted in it. It was um, an inland treasure hunt and dealt with history, um, a very complicated history of Western Pennsylvania. It also... Um, well, let's take a step back. Tell us the story of General Braddock and his Lost Treasure. Yeah. Yeah, um, so he he was tasked by the British uh, Army, by the British government to take Fort Duquesne, which is now Point State Park. Um, and so he left from Alexandria, Virginia, and had um, Washington as his aide-de-camp and a number of future 
you know, names within the, within the country um, in, his, in his military. And he marched very arrogantly. Uh, there's stories about him um, having a chariot that he had to abandon at some point. And so he marched thinking, oh, well, this will be easy. We'll take Fort Duquesne and then just march up to Niagara and um, take over the French territory and was um, essentially slaughtered uh, in what's now Braddock, Pennsylvania. And so this story I, I found very funny that they would name this town after an arrogant man who was um, just embarrassed in defeat there and then died a few days later. And so that that story as like, you know, dark and comedic as it is, um, also had the undertone, or I guess had the addition of there being a pay chest that was lost along the way. And so that lost treasure, that mythology around that was really what caught my interest and took me further into the story. Like you said, it's such a fascinating story and it has this kind of grandeur and it's almost like the George Washington prequel story, right? Where he witnesses <laughs> this defeat of hubris and this humiliation and he kind of becomes a better man than his kind of mentor. And, you know, it's um, a lot, you know, it's it, like, it's just such a fascinating story. And I, I can see how rich it can be for inspiration for an art project. But at the same time, how did you make that leap to making photographs around this? Like, did you begin by setting yourself parameters to photograph or, or how did, you know, how does, how do you go from that inspiration to taking pictures? It, it really dominoed because um, the, the entry to the project was Braddock's Lost Treasure. And then that led me to thinking about Braddock's path and that he had to make a military path, which became Route 40, eventually became the first national road. And so that, then started leading me towards um, a lot of themes that I dealt with in previous work around road trips. And so I started thinking about it as the first, first American road trip that ended in, um, in defeat. And so it, was, it seemed like that was kind of in line. So it was a pretty easy kind of jump to go from the fortunes, the lost fortunes to this lost battle to roads that were lost. And so every every layer that I kind of started digging into just ended in being lost. And so I, I started seeking that out in the photographs, um, things that were missing, things that were hidden or lost. Um, and so I was never, never looking explicitly for the treasure, but I was looking for all the things that were maybe hiding it. So you're dealing with so much history and you're thinking about translating this into, uh, translating these stories and these mythologies and these legends and, and a lot of truth into a photographic project. And one thing I've really admired about watching this project grow over several years is, is watching you develop such a clear photographic vocabulary for how you're expressing these ideas. Was there an image early on when you started this project that made you one realize that you had something in this project that was worth pursuing and 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 led you to develop this visual language yeah um there's a photo of a bunch of power lines uh or maybe i guess probably um phone lines 
that form a series of X's and kind of this grid and facade. And um, it's definitely, it's by no means a standout image, but it, it made me realize that there's a number of entry points that need to be in every photograph. So in this one, there's all these lines that for me represent this, these forms of communication that break down over time. But they also form these X's and they're not readily visible, but it, it had these a few different pieces that I was looking for throughout. Um, and it had the palette that I wanted, um, this like very bright midday, um, unforgiving kind of light that, that I felt was appropriate. That was bringing out the right colors. Um, it wasn't, I could see, I don't feel like it's nostalgic in the way that like it romanticizes anything, but it kind of doesn't let, um, it's the kind of light that, that doesn't let anything hide. Yeah, I also noticed that, you know, when I started looking at this project, when you notice something, you can almost find it again in every other photo in the project. There's all these motifs that, even though they can be very subtle, they're often repeated. Um, and I think the X's, are, are one that I see in a, many of these photographs. And, you know, there's that connection to communication, but also, of course, just the X marks the spot on the treasure map. You know, to what extent were you conscious about making viewers of this project treasure hunters as well? I was fully, fully conscious. Um, there's one um, kind of this overview of a river along some train tracks and there's the little X from the train crossing, but then also the train and the road and everything cross. And so it forms this, this X and off in the distance, there's this burned out building. Um, and so it, you know, stuff like that, the, maybe I wasn't seeing it right away, but the editing process allowed me to focus on those things and the slower pace that I work at over time allows me to bring that stuff out. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the kind of photograph and, and maybe this is, you know, part of a larger question that I'm thinking about as well, um, where the landscape is really rich and the landscape is really connected to place. You know, it has that Appalachian, um, you know, aesthetic to it. It has these very distinctive qualities of light that you're capturing. Um, but in the sort of larger landscape photographs, what are you looking for? I'm still looking for something something hidden. Uh, I'm looking for something that breaks the landscape, whether um, it's an image like the one where there's no windows on the building or the big landscape of the mall um, where there's a hole missing in the roof in the foreground. The other thing I was looking for and responding to pretty directly was the um, Hudson River School. Um, and using that, those kind of really large, big, grandiose uh, vantages. And there's so many of them in this region. And they're always something that I seek out, but to use them in a way that is a little more overt um, to my needs in this project of, you know, finding a vantage where the trees are cut down and there's actually something missing that allows for that openness to occur. I mean, there's a million more motif questions I could ask you, and I know we don't have forever, but I think the one that is most affecting to me and the one that I love seeing repeated in image after image is, uh, is the idea of the hole 
Mm -hmm. um, one, because I don't think I would have ever thought of a hole as a subject for a photograph, right? <laughs> it's, it's so unusual. Um, but the more I think about it, the more powerful it becomes. And obviously it's got this connection to, you know, digging up a treasure, right? On that really kind of surface level read. But I think it has a lot of richness, right? Like how can you photograph the emptiness, the, the thing that isn't there? How, how did you come to the idea of the hole? I mean, it was, the entry point is definitely the treasure that you have to dig through something. But the more I started thinking about it, the more I realized how prevalent the hole is um, in this region, whether that's in mining or extraction. Um, so there's a kind of a political and socioeconomic um, tie-in with it. Um, a bit of what I was really interested in without, with, throughout this project was homonyms and how homonyms as a literary device or language tool um, correlate so perfectly to photographs. And so the whole of Misplaced Fortunes is the title of one of the pieces um, with a whole with a W. So the entirety um, of the project being consumed by this whole, um, this like kind of play on words for myself that uh, allowed me to rethink the, the depth of meaning in holes. Again, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> there are several incredibly compelling portraits that you've made in this project. Um, and they all seem to be portraits of people searching, right? Sort of doing the action that that you're describing, um, you know, of, of kind of looking for something. And obviously there's that level of looking for treasure. There's a kind of um, set of images of a, of a young boy with a metal detector kind of moving through the brush and searching, which is one that I've returned to again and again as I've looked at this project. And I think in, in one of the images, he's kind of got a look of, um, see, I, would, I would say a look of maybe serious wonder on his face that's really beautiful. And um, you, know, you, you want to know what he's, you want to know so badly what he's looking at and what he's searching for. And you know, I'm kind of wondering, how did you come to think of the portrait aspect of this project and, and the searching, what the people in the pictures are searching for? Um, the portraits, they were definitely a struggle throughout because I wasn't, the project isn't about, you know, specific people in any way. And so it was, I always felt like I was kind of walking on tenuous ground with it. Um, and so I would, you know, I would meet people when I was out shooting and if it, you know, the situation is right, um, everything kind of seemed okay. I was, I would make a portrait of them, but my goal was always to hide them in some way. Um, so it was always, I was always trying to hide the person within the landscape. And the thing that started to become interesting to me was how that took on different tones, um, whether it was sinister or fe fearful or seeking um, or aloof, but every, every kind of application of that, every attempt that I made to try to hide somebody, it, it was, it kind of came out a little bit different. I, I've come to think of them as, you know, that, that there's, that your vantage point is almost like a character traveling through the space. And these are the, these are the people you've met along the way. 
And I, I think you, what you're what you're talking about with myself being a character within it, I, I, um, is exactly right. I, I'm I see myself as the narrator, as the you know intrepid um, treasure hunter in this whole thing. And, <laughs> but um, do, you, do you think it is yourself, or is it a kind of performed version of you? Uh, I think it's me. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's definitely, definitely me in there. I mean, these are all places that I want to go. This, I, I've thought about this pretty extensively and, um, my lifestyle and goals have not changed much since I was 16. So, um, whether that was, you know, road trips with friends in high school, ending up in Canada mm-hmm. accidentally or, continuing to just wander around southwestern pennsylvania in my 30s it it all feels like it's kind of coming from the same place um the same curiosity and you know seeking out the strangeness and the mundane so in january of 2020 you opened a solo exhibition at the 937 gallery in pittsburgh of this work and i had watched this body of work develop with different studio visits um over the years and it went from being a set of images that was a pretty straightforward, you know, collection and sequence of photos to a really immersive, dynamic installation project, something that has slideshows and secret drawers and props and um, uh, all these different elements that, that took it so far beyond just a set of images. Tell me about how you developed this into from a, from a stack of pictures to a, to an installation. So I, as I was working on this, um, I, I don't know when I started making these notes, but realizing that I wanted the images to be, I'm I'm hesitant still to use the word sculptural, but um, that they are immersive, that the work is immersive in the way that a treasure hunt is immersive. Um, And a lot of this came out of me trying to figure out ways to kind of explode book form um, into a spatial presentation. And so, the installation um, implementation of this, the installation came out of trying to figure out how to do that. Um, I think it started, one of the first pieces that I, I thought about was the flip frame. Um, and it's very literal. It, it's, you know, mimicking the flipping of a book that you open, you see one image, and then another Im- image is hidden behind it. And so it had this duality of referencing book form, um, as well as referencing a hidden piece, um, a hidden element, hidden treasure, a uh, golden year in this matter. Yeah, well, there's so much, I mean, there's so much um, discovery for the audience in the installation that I think makes it really, um, I think what's so wonderful about the show is that it's really fun to see. And there's so much fun to be had in just like, one exploring these kind of unique installation aspects, the drawers of the desk that you can open up, the the pulley system where you can, you know, raise a photograph and find something behind it, the curtain, um, you know, all those aspects. And then of course, there's all the treasure hunting just within the images themselves. You know, there's there's all the kind of motifs and, and wonderful little details to find. Um, 
one aspect um you know is is also the design of it as well there's a lot of kind of x's and arrows and kind of signage along the wall that kind of takes you from one path to another how did you think about creating um creating that so they were um again it stems from the images um those motifs that we were talking about earlier the x's the holes um these kind of abstracted shapes um I see a lot of those as a form of Karens, um, as a form of guides. Um, so the motif illuminating a narrative and guiding you from image to image to get the larger idea of what they, they mean collectively. And so I, I took that same idea um, and started applying it to the design of the show and design of the book. And so I kind of landed on these vinyl Karens and, um, but I see them as this kind of red herrings at times too, where they don't really highlight anything. They, you know, sometimes they point you in the right direction. Sometimes they don't. Um, mm. So, you know, in, in a way I describe the show as fun, but I think there's also a, a tragedy in the work too, or at least a sadness that, that comes through, you know, in the portraits and the places It it never seems like a place that's like doing great. Right. Like there's kind of, um you know and it's sunny and it's bright and it's crisp but it also seems maybe depressed is the word i'm thinking of yeah um i mean i think that's the region and that's i think all those things that you said are 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 in there fully and they're all the things i've been thinking about um because i i am acutely aware of the way this region is portrayed and often it's with visually aesthetically it's with these dense palettes these you know dark tones blues and blacks and browns and things that just um lead you to a sense of depression overtly without questioning the complexity of that and so it was very important for me to have bright rich tones to be shooting in the middle of the day without dramatic light one of my favorite parts about the installation that we that we didn't talk about is there's a three panel or, or triptych slideshow where three slide projectors are kind of rotating through their carousels automatically, kind of um, indefinitely. Why why the slideshow? The slideshow. So jumping off from there, I wanted to also start to factor in um, historic cycles to it. So into this project so that all the images from the project are presented in this cycle that never quite lines up exactly the way it's expected to. So all these sequences that you see on the slideshow never really show up in, in the exhibition or the book or anywhere else because it's totally random. Um, there's a mechanization to it that is faulty. Um, you put the timer on and they're old projectors and they're never going to be perfect and so that sense of industrialization mechanization being faulty and falling apart um, was important as well uh, it also comes back to slot machines um, this just random randomness of it this chance that you keep standing there at the slot machine or you keep standing there at, at this slide projection um, and just 
maybe you get lucky and see a really great set of images. I loved what you said earlier about this being a, a kind of way of thinking about an exploded book and, and you being an artist who's th thought so long about the book form. Um, and something about the slideshow almost brings to mind something to me about the absurdity of editing photo books, um, which is like, we spend so much time, you know, I think about this as a curator, it's like you spend so much time trying to find great combinations and sequences of images and ones that are really rich. And all of a sudden you just kind of made this random sequence generator machine. And you just sort of realize like so many of them just look great together and that, you know, it's like, you know, it's, um, you know, maybe it's maybe to tie it back into the project, it sort of reinforces to the the fact that these treasures, whether you're looking for them or not, or you're intending to create them or not, are just going to keep happening. Um, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I, I think about like, you know, I spend years editing a book and then I hand it to somebody and they flip it, flip through it backward. So there's a number of plaques with texts throughout the show that kind of have these mysterious passages and quotes about treasure hunting. Um, one that leads the show, I just wanted to, to read. So um, the first plaque reads, one doesn't start by asking one and all where a treasure is. That's an opener. But a better questioning method is to express interest in local recluses, scandals, missing fortunes, rags to riches, back to rag stories, murders, suicides, once rich families now poor, robberies and that sort of thing. Don't be afraid that a good many people will think you a bit touched. They will and that's okay. That's part of the price of being a treasure hunter. The quote comes from um, H. Glenn Carson, a, a book that he published called Cash Hunting. And I found it at Rogers Flea Market I think I read the first couple paragraphs and bought it for all $3 and 50 cents and um, immediately realized it's, it, it tied the rest of the project together. Um, I had been looking for some text to help guide things. And um, this hit the exact tone. Um, and the thing that I loved about it most was that exchanging the word treasure hunter for photographer, um, it, it does the exact same thing. And so he kind of lays out this way that you can go about seeking, um, whether that's as a treasure hunter or just a curious human being or a photographer. Well, um, I love that. I think that's probably the perfect note to end on. Uh, Ross Mantle, thank you so much for, for sharing your work with us today. Thank you for having me.